You never know what's possible unless you try. I'm your host, Matt Coyne, from the Outside and Active podcast, and these were the parting words from our next guest, Chris Burtish. Chris is a speaker, author, adventurer, filmmaker, waterman, and ocean ambassador. His company is B Corp certified and a carbon neutral company using business as a force for good. You can find out more about Chris at chrisburtish.com. That's Chris, B-E-R-T-I-S-H.com. You get to know your body well and what makes you a better human when you really push your limits a little bit further. What a better guest to talk about this than Chris, an ex-big wave surf champion who's paddleboarded solo across the Atlantic to name just two of the accolades to his name. We get the lowdown from Chris and what goes into training at such a highly competitive level as well as his upcoming Transpac Wing project. If you're feeling inspired by our conversations to being more outside and active or want to try new activities such as paddleboarding, climbing, running or camping, you can get free tickets to the National Outdoor Expo on the 19th to the 20th of March at the NEC in Birmingham. Use the code OUTSIDE at checkout on nationaloutdoorexpo.com. For now, back to the episode with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the show, Chris Burtish. How are you doing? Good. Matt Coyne, thanks very much for having me from Raccoon Events. I'm always a pleasure and a privilege. Yeah, no worries. And where, where are you joining us from today, Chris? I'm joining you from the little sleepy village of Wilderness in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. Amazing. Are you literally, I haven't been there, are you literally in the wilderness there? Or, or is it just a really great name for a town? It's a great name for a town, which is actually in the wilderness. And I'm right next to a little river, um, and I'm staying in a little river lodge called the Fairy No. And that pretty much sums up exactly what it looks and feels like. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. We'll have to um we'll have to get some pictures that we can send along with the uh, mm. with the show notes. But but maybe um being next to the river, of course there's a um there's a a, a link here to your background. <laughs> um <laughs> for, for those that don't know you, Chris, could you give us kind of like a potted history of who you are? Potted history, that's a that's a great terminology. I don't really know how to answer that succinctly. I've had a very um <laughs> interesting background. Um I was growing up as the, the youngest of three naughty little boys in Cape Town, South Africa, with a, an amazing father as a human um, that immersed me in the ocean from a really extraordinary early age. Um, I was probably um, sailing with him at the age of two or three years old on the first ever catamaran that was that he built in South Africa. Uh, water skiing by five, windsurfing by seven, surfing by nine. Um, sailing pretty much from as early as I know and uh, just immersed in the ocean to the point that it just became my second home so everything that I do is sort of based around water and the ocean and um, I guess that's sort of shaped and molded me to be the human that I am today and without that um, injected in my life in every way shape or form it makes me a better human and a more balanced and um, better individual in every way. Each and so, every day. Yeah. I mean, I guess I I know if ever I've been having um whatever, you know, need some clarity of thought or something like that. I know when I sort of chuck my wetsuit on and, and go in the sea without swimming or You never know what's like possible that. unless it, you it try. definitely sort of I'm I your guess, host, calms McCoy, things down or gives you a bit of clarity with, with whatever is going on Burtish. in your world at that time. Is is you that what you kind of found well as well as that you escape? You a better human when you really push your um, limits. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't what know if I would use the word escape, but I 
I get exactly what you're saying. It's sort of like a meditation. It's your physical, mental, and emotional rebalancing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely use it as that. And I think a lot of people and most humans don't get to know themselves very well and know their body very well. And through the, the various very interesting adventures that I've done in my, in my journey in my life, I've been very, very physical and very um, pushed myself in all different ways across all different shapes where I've fallen. So I think when you do that and you know that yourself matters to Ironman and that kind of thing, when you're pushing yourself and you're training to the extent that we do on pushing the limits and pushing ourselves, you get to know yourself mentally very well. You get to know your body incredibly well. So you get to know what, what is good for you, what isn't good for you, and what brings you into balance, both mentally, physically, and emotionally, and what, um, what, is, what, what makes you a better human. And I think a lot of people that don't do a lot of sport or get outdoors and push themselves in a lot of capacity don't get to know themselves that well. And there's a famous saying that says, know thyself. And mm-hmm. I think when you spend, spend a lot of time alone um, doing a lot of endurance stuff, you get to know yourself even better. And the, the outdoors, and I, like I won't use the term being in the ocean, but being outdoors in nature in whatever shape, way, or form definitely has that effect on your mental, physiological, and emotional state. Mm-hmm. Um, and rebalances you. So I always find like, yes, the ocean and water is my most important primal balancing tool that keeps me balanced in all ways. Um, however, I always make sure that if I'm away from water, that I populate that my, my holistic experience with, with training in other ways, shapes or forms like, you know, running. So I'm, as, as we're talking about now, I'm in wilderness at a little place right on the river. So there's a route that I do. I've got a stand-up paddleboard on the roof where I'll take my big wave stand-up paddleboard and I'll paddle up the river to a place where I know where I can hide the, the sup in the bushes, do a trail run from there up to a, a waterfall and then come back down and then go back. And that's how I sort of, even though I'm not at the ocean, mm-hmm. I'm still in the water, mixing water and outdoors and nature and running with my outdoor experience, which rebalances me in every way, shape or form. <laughs> Amazing. And that sounds, that sounds like an epic little adventure itself, but, but maybe to give people some perspective and you sort of talked about, you know, um, finding yourself when you've got that time on your own. I think before we go into just one of your incredible achievements, and I certainly, this is from where I first came across you, but you know, you've you've surfed some of the biggest waves in the world. Um, I mean, you won one of the biggest wave wave competitions in the world, a place called Mavericks in California. Um, how? What's that like? You know, you say you really start to understand yourself and what works. You know, when you're charging down the face of one of these big waves, is that where everything is just coming together? All of those experiences, all those times, knowing how your body's moving, is it this kind of perfect harmony, or is it just a I've got to survive this? <laughs> Yeah, great, great question, Matt. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of different answers to that um, question that get posed to many different types of athletes, individuals, and artists. And I believe that it's sort of the same question. It's about being in flow, really. And uh, we talk about the flow state as, you know, somewhere where you don't really have to think, 
because all the pre pre work has already been done to the point that you don't have to think about what you do. You are so in tune and you're so focused and you've done so much preparation to be in that space, in that location, in that now experience that you don't have to think about what you need to do. It just happens automatically. So you can rely on your ability, your experience to be able to take it to the next level by being able to get into a flow state to, to maximize and, um, and, in, and, and, in, and, and amplify that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess moving from the big waves, which is, you know, what were they maybe sort of 10, 15 second rides or something like that. Um, you then went on quite an incredible journey um, paddleboarding across the Atlantic. I mean, I don't think you did that solo, I believe, right? Um, that's correct. That was completely un, unsupported and unassisted. And so uh, how long did that take? I mean, if you're talking about having time to find yourself, I imagine you went to some pretty pretty dark lows, but also some incredible highs. Maybe you could kind of give us some examples of what that was like for people that that sort of, yeah, it's incredible achievement. Matt, is it possible I can just take one second? I've just had people walk into my room and put a fridge down. So, like, this is exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, yeah, just no give worries. me a second. Hold on. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so oh fridge gosh. deliveries aside. <laughs> yes, yes, fridge deliveries aside. So this is a great example of like how do you how do you keep your your, your head when everything's you know going pear shaped around you, even yeah. though you've 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 tried to control the situation as best as you can. You've put everything in place to ensure that that won't happen, but it still happens. <laughs> and I think that's a great example for like what happens in life and what yeah. happens in all these like adventures that I do, you know, you, like I always have a backup of a backup of a backup of everything in order to be able to, yeah. you know, ensure the result that I'm looking for, but there's always going to be stuff that's going to happen. It's always going to be the curveballs and it's not just adventure, it's life. You know, you've got to, you've got to prepare for that and you've got to be in a mindful state that you almost anticipate that it's going to happen and then know how you can react in, in order to be able to be flexible and adaptable to the environment while it's fluidly changing around you to still ensure the best outcome for yourself um, and others around you. And that might actually just be survival. <laughs> yeah, do you know, and I'm going to keep this in, by the way, because I think it's, I think, like you said, it's a brilliant example. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I guess that's kind of, you know, the world that we live in right now with various lockdowns yeah. and rules and whatnot coming in. It's, you know, we've got to adapt to survive. And I guess when you're when you're out in the middle of some of these challenges, you're going to be thrown things that you'd never even possibly imagined, I'm guessing. Is that right? Yeah, you're, you're right, Matt. And I think even just going back to the big wave stuff, you know, a lot of people don't know or understand. Like they, they think that like fear is a big part of what, what, what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I, I do believe that fear is a, one of the greatest tools that you can, once you learn to be able to understand it, you can harness it to your best ability and to ins- like ensure an amplified version of success if you know how to channel and utilize that fear to your advantage. But I think also it's like, it really is all about the amount of preparation that you do. Like I used to train ridiculously obsessively to be able to be so physically, like so physically fit that that bred an incestuous amount of confidence that Mm -hmm. will 
that would get me into and out of situations that I shouldn't have really put myself into. But because you're so fit and confident, it just breeds a level of um, extraordinary ability that 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 doesn't really apply to most humans. When you get to sort of a, a state where you almost feel like you're invincible, which is quite a scary state because then you realize what your potential is and you can really tap into another level. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of people just think like big wave surfing, you just go surfing. But I mean, I was training, I was training twice a day in the pool, six days a week. You know, I, I, I remember meeting one of the free diving world champions and they, they couldn't believe that I was actually putting in more time in the pool doing underwater training than they were. And they were training for the free diving world championships. And I right. think that just gives you an idea of like the level of training that's necessary in order to do things that either either other people haven't done or do it to the highest level um, to be not just good, but to be extraordinary. And mm -hmm. people don't often realize what goes into to doing that, to getting to that level, because they never really see what, what you put in unless it's in a gym or, or whatever. But you know, it, it's just, that was just a small part of the kind of training that I did. And then also the, the mental aspect and put, putting yourself and training in worst case scenario all the time. So when you got put into those situations in an event or in a, in some sort of experience, then you handle it better than most because most people don't train for worst case scenario all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've got to do. You know? And that maybe then a lot of this kind of training and a lot of the journey that you've had from, from big waves to everything in between, but is leading up to your next challenge, I think, um, and we talked about this, it's quite incredible. So it's the Transpac Wing Project. Mm. Um, so could you just tell us a little bit about what this is all about? Well, Matt, yeah. Uh, you know, it all stemmed obviously from the from doing the the transatlantic crossing, which mm -hmm. was um obviously quite a interesting journey in itself. Um, just over four thousand miles, ninety-three days alone. Um, I think you you one of those things that if you if you complete that and you survive then you realize that there's there's very little that you can set your sights on that you shouldn't really um, be able to achieve because it makes you realize that we we as humans are actually, we're a lot more resilient and harder to kill than we think. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't test ourselves enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's how far do you want to go, I suppose. <laughs> Yes. So you know, it's quite interesting because now like everything that I do after that journey almost seems like, and I won't like, I'll never use the word easy, but it seems like it's, it's very attainable. Like mm -hmm. once you do those, like once you've done the some like some of the stuff that I've done in the big wave side of things and, and then, you know, the, the transatlantic, which everyone pretty much on the planet told me was impossible. Um, once you, do those kind of things and you live through them and you are successful at them, then everything else almost seems quite tame um, and very achievable. So then it's like you shift your comfort zone and you shift your level of what you feel like is achievable and possible that a lot, there's very little that doesn't seem like unachievable from that mm -hmm. point on, which is an, which is an amazing place to be in. And then you start stacking all the things that you, you can do with these like new adventures, like the Transpac Wing Project, where you work out how, how much more impact can I make? Like, how can I make the world a better place? How can I use this as a platform for positive change? How can I 
use this to help people? How can I use this to um, inspire a greater message or educate people on, you know, ocean health issues or sea temperature levels or, you know, um, sedation levels of noise pollution for marine traffic or like all the things that I like try and build into the ventures now to give back and to be a positive example and role model to others in the world around us. That's sort of the objective. And that, you know, that's what I found most interesting when we chatted before, actually, that it's kind of this isn't just a physical kind of endurance challenge. This is you're actually doing a lot of experiments throughout this whole um, this whole project. Right. Yeah, Matt, you, you spot on. And I think everything that I've done, like including the transatlantic, everything's really about, it. you know, inspiring us to be the best versions of ourselves, inspiring us to believe in ourselves and what's possible, God and have an adventure, see like where, where our greatest potential lies because it's beyond our fears and beyond our comfort zone. That's where the magic lies and that's where our greatest potential lives. But just we not we don't really explore that enough to really tap into our best version of ourselves. And when you when you do any sort of micro adventure or bigger adventure or set yourself a goal, whether it be the Ironman or the whatever for some lady that has never done a 10k or 21k run Mm -hmm. before it's like it's the same thing once you go there and you do it then you you're like wow well if i can do that then maybe i can do this and it just sets you on a journey of exploring possible and I, i love that and just using these projects as a as a platform to be able to give back and 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 inspire and make positive change i mean that the transatlantic we raise enough money to feed over 200,000 kids in Africa that didn't have enough money to go to school and pay for lunchboxes and pay for almost a thousand operations for Operation Smile. And that is, that's big impact, you know, that's, um, that's huge. And when you go and you spend a day at like the hospital, like I did before I went on that journey and see the, the, these little kids with these little faces getting put back together in an operation that takes 45 minutes and costs a couple hundred dollars. It's, it's like life altering, you know, and you like, I think that I was, you know, I was doing this for them um, on that journey. And yes, that inspired me because it was a very powerful emotional experience watching these mothers that had walked some of them for three to five days just to get their little child to that operation because they have no money whatsoever. And that they know that it'll change their whole, not only their kid's life, but their whole family's life forever. And I think that's a really powerful experience. But you think, like, I thought I was doing it for them. But I think through my journey and through the darkest and most difficult times, I realized that actually that helped me because it gave me a, a purpose greater than myself. And when you are driven by passion and powered by a purpose greater than yourself to be able to give back and help others and lift other people up, it'll help you overcome any obstacle and challenge and help you achieve, like, the seemingly impossible. So, yeah, it's, it's each one of these projects that I do is – really to inspire people to be like wow like what could i do what can i do to give back what can i do to be a better human what can i maybe do to test myself a little bit more and how can i use that to be able to help others you know yeah absolutely i mean it's it's like you said you know it's inspiring others to maybe do do their own challenge but also like you said some of the fundraising and research that comes back from these and what that can do is an incredibly positive effect for our futures. So I think it's, it's admirable what you're doing. But um, what I did do, because I, I know as part of your next project, you're going to be doing some live mm. vlogs, I believe, with schools and things like that, too. So 
I actually asked a few of our friends or, or my colleagues' kids um, some questions that they'd like to ask you about some of these kind of long journeys, either through the Pacific or Atlantic. Um, so Matt, I'm going to ask before, you. But wait, wait. Before you start those questions, I'm really excited and looking forward to it because I love kids' questions because <laughs> um, I do a lot of speaking in schools and stuff all over the world. Yeah. Um, but the let, let's give people a little bit of perspective so they know what, what we're yes. talking about. So the Transpac Wing Project is a, a project that I've been working on for a couple of years to wing foil across the Pacific from California to Hawaii, which is about one, uh, 2,600 miles, about 3,500 kilometers. Um, wing foiling is um, on a craft holding a wing, which is almost like a blown up kite. It's like a combination between like a kite and a windsurfer, but you don't have a mast and you hold it um, in your hands all the time and that powers you across. So the whole project is um, powered by nature for nature. So the whole thing is driven by wind power um, and solar power and hydropower. So when I say wind power, solar power, hydropower, um, I'm holding the, the wing, which is the wind power, which powers me across. All my little instruments on my little craft, which has foils, um, is powered by a hydro generator, um, solar power, and then obviously the wind with what I do, and then also a fuel cell as well to be able to help charge my battery banks, which run my water desalinator, my chart plotter, my AIS, my VHF radios, my all my all my systems that keep me safe, keep me alive, and um, help me get there. But it's really just powered by nature, for nature, and it's a completely carbon net zero project. And we, I'm trying to do ocean-themed classrooms, which are on ocean health and different parts of plastic pollution, and the Shark Cafe, which I travel over across the journey, where there's the greatest vertical migration of any species on the planet, which just happens to be great white sharks, which is not good for me because I have had some shark experiences, which I'm sure will come up in the questions we're about to, <laughs> to do. And I think that's a little quick summary of what the Wing Project is about. No, that's great. Thank you, Chris. And there's, there's obviously a, a lot to go through your mind and the technology that's, <laughs> that's got to go into this project as well to make that work. Um, but yeah, conscious, conscious of time um, left mm. on the on the recording. <laughs> I'm gonna because I mean, even last time I think we spoke for about an hour and a half, and that was just on the chat before, before we did this. <laughs> so I know I know it could go on, so I'm gonna try to try yeah. to be. Um, go, on, man, go, go, go. Those questions, the kids' <laughs> questions. Before do that. So you might have guessed it. The shark cafe. The first question is: mm. Are you worried about sharks? Um. So if you had asked me before the the solo stand-up paddleboard adventure across the Atlantic, I would have said no, because I love sharks and um, I'm very I'm very passionate about sharks and I actually have done quite a lot of um, swimming and freediving with sharks as well without cages. So I'm very comfortable with them and I'm very highly respectful of them. They're the most beautiful creatures and they're one of the most important parts of our ecosystem and, and food chain to keep balance. Um, however, <laughs> we on <laughs> a little uh, an expedition like I have been on and you're on a craft that's literally a meter wide by you know um five and a half meters, um and you become a target for a very large creature with with teeth that comes up at speed and your lunch then suddenly it's a very different kind of creature and um then I have mm-hmm. not just amounts of respect for them but also a, a little bit of of fear that comes in there because you know these creatures are very large and they can if they take one bite out of the side of my craft, I could, you know, flood all my watertight compartments and sink within about four and a half minutes, which is not really a very calming reality um, to think of when you are thousands of miles from any other human or help um, and you're in the middle of an ocean. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I do, 
I've had quite a couple of um, quite serious um, incidents with sharks, and you'll have to wait for my next book, which comes out um, <laughs> in June, which is called All In, which is actually about the trans uh, the transatlantic um, stand-up paddleboard journey, mm-hmm. um, and that'll have pretty descriptive um, sections of, <laughs> on exactly what we're talking about. But it's really just a it was really just a mistake of identity, and the reason why they actually happen especially with the large great whites is because um, across the Atlantic, the migration route of the only the large great white females actually happens to be the same path that I was taking. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately the fish stocks in our ocean have been so degraded that a lot of the, sh- the big sharks are really battling to find enough food to be able to, to, to feed themselves across that journey. So what they do is they try and do sort of like a surprise attack from really deep, so they ping, so they ping whatever potential prey is. From, let's say seventy to eighty meters deep, they get a rough reading of what what they're seeing above from what they get feed back, fed back by their by their sonar, which mm-hmm. will give them an idea of roughly the size, roughly the shape, and roughly what speed this creature is traveling at. And what I realized after the second encounter was that I obviously looked like and was the rough shape and size and moving at the speed that would mean that I was probably a whale calf that had got separated from its mother, which mm-hmm. was not, not a good thing to look like when you are, um, when you look like fast food for a large, great white. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, um, so I've tried to um, minimize that on the next version of my project by painting the bottom of my craft. So it looks like an orca. Because um, orcas actually are the only creatures that they are that large great whites are are scared of, and they that is the only predator of a large great white shark is actually orcas, and they are they are petrified of them, so they stay away. And when I was training for the transatlantic, my open ocean seventeen foot stand up paddleboard that I used to train on, I painted an orca on the bottom. Some might think it looked more like a freezing cow, but it yeah. actually was very. Very effective, and I never got um, hassled by any of the um, any of the creatures out there, which is good. So awesome. I'm applying that same principle to the wing project. So yes, I have seen sharks. The normal sharks are. I'm more than happy they can follow me and and um, join me on my journey. But just the really big ones with teeth that yes. um, <laughs> as as lunch, those ones can rather just um, keep a distance. Yeah, stay clear. I, I got, I, um, I love talking stories, but I got uh, followed, let's say, by a tiger shark um, when I was mm. out in Hawaii. And it was quite the experience. But actually, I then went shark diving a couple of days later and I just found this whole new respect for sharks. So it's something we could probably have a whole nother conversation about sharks, um, but I find them fascinating. <laughs> so it's it's amazing to see how they interact with you as well. But so on no, they're, to, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're just they're beautiful, majestic creatures. And I think once you yeah. need to understand them, then you realize that they're just like any other creature and they just deserve space, respect and understanding. You know, and if you don't, you know, if you if you operate yourself in the right way, um, then you'll be fine generally. And, you know, don't if you act like prey, you'll get treated like prey. That's the basic rules yeah. of, of African like bush. Don't act like prey. Because if you act like prey, you'll get treated like prey, which doesn't end positively in your favor. Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good analogy. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one is a very important one. Um, how do you sleep and do you take a teddy with you? <laughs> I love that. 
That is the best question I've had in a long time, but mostly because from the second part of it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yes, um, I do sleep, but just not very much. So I sort of sleep in sort of hour and a half intervals. So normally I try and get a minimum of two, um, two box boxes of an hour and a half as a minimum. Um, and then if I can get in a third, that's sort of um, an added bonus. Uh, because a lot of the time, most people don't realize I'm operating 24 seven. So because I don't, I'm not, I don't have support or I don't have another person with me. Um, when I'm not on shift, then the craft isn't generally doing what it's meant to be doing and getting to the destination because no one is powering it. Um, and like on the transatlantic, I wasn't, if I wasn't paddling, the craft wasn't going in the right, right direction. So um, it forces you to try and narrow down the amount of time that you're off shift um, as much as possible. And that's why I also try and make my little cabin um, quite uncomfortable because the more time, more comfortable it is, the more time you want to spend in there, um, which means that you, you're not doing what you should be doing, which is trying to get to your destination as quickly as possible. So, yes, I did sleep. I didn't ever sleep very much. Um, when the conditions are good, you're sleeping for about an hour and a half at a time, maybe two sessions of those three sessions if you're lucky when things are bad you're not sleeping for more than three and a half to four minutes at a time yeah. um, because you're just trying to you know not get rolled in the middle of the night when you're on parachute anchor and every one of the waves that hits the side of the craft sounds like your craft is disintegrating around you and you're in the middle of the ocean way very far away from any other help and you can't really um you know you can't really get through it until you get through the storm so yeah, of course sleep deprivation is a real thing yeah. Okay. Um, right. I've got one last I, question. Yes, I do, and I don't have a teddy, but I did take a, oh, yeah. a stuffed a stuffed turtle. Um, oh, did which, you? Yes. Which um, I called squirt. Um, squirt. Like from- <laughs> Amazing. So I imagine there's kind of you know some uh, a little journey for for these kids that you're talking to and things to follow squirt then across across your challenge. Mm. <laughs> yes, um, I was actually I was racing a virtual turtle across the uh, the Atlantic when I did the last one, um, which a lot of kids through the Two Oceans Aquarium Foundation were following me on a live tracker to see if I was going to beat the virtual turtle or not. So oh, that's amazing. Why I had squirt with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Right, we've got uh, time for one more. Um, okay. Well, there, there's quite a few, but I think this one's quite. I think everyone's probably quite interested. Do you ever fall off? Um. Because it's not a big craft, is it? No, you're 100% right. Sometimes I do get knocked off, and I have been knocked off by rogue waves, by the craft turning semi-upside down, um, or when I take off down a wave, which I didn't want to do. My craft wasn't really designed to do that. So the rocker of the craft, which is what the shape of it, it would engage, and then the craft would turn sideways and broach. And if you don't know what broaching means, it means when it turns sideways and then rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would be sort of attached to the craft with my emergency tether attached to my harness and then a big wave leash attached to my leg, attached to another point of the craft, which is like a safety of a safety as a backup of a backup. And those were really terrifying experiences because then I'd get rolled over the backside of the craft and I have a, a centerboard sticking down underneath. So, yeah, a lot of really scary experiences like that. And, yes, it does happen. And I don't think as mildly as people are probably thinking about, um, do I fall off? 
um, okay, Chris, thank you so much for our conversation today. As I said, I know we could carry this one on forever, I think, but we're we're excited to sort of see how the next journey un, uh, unfolds. But if if people want to find out more about you or follow the journey, what's the best? Where's the best place to send them? Um, thanks, Matt, um, and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, if anybody wants to find out about um, what I'm doing and where I'm at, um, just go to chrisburtish.com, um, C-H-R-I-S-B-E-R-T-I-S-H.com, or the chrisburtishfoundation.org, um, where people can either follow the journey, um, follow what I'm doing through Facebook and Instagram, it's just Chris Burtish. Um, if you want to book me as a speaker, then just go onto my website and send me a message. I speak to big organizations like NASA, Google, Salesforce, Cisco, all, all over the world. Um, that's what I do. So hopefully, um, if anybody wants to to book me and see me, I might even be in Birmingham for the outdoor show in in March. So let's let's um, hopefully we can um, set up that, and hopefully I can see some of the audience in the UK there too. Yeah, it'd be nice nice to see you in in real life in person. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thanks well, very much for having me on the show, and keep up the great work with what you guys are doing and. Um, to all the audience out there, go out, have an adventure, get outdoors in nature, and um, yeah, you never know what's possible unless you try. Awesome, awesome advice to end on. Thanks so much, Chris. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chris. I know I did, and I can't wait to follow his progress on the Transpac Wind Project. Have you been enjoying our podcast so far? We'd love to hear your thoughts, and if you've really been loving them, please do rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and drop us a review so we can help spread the good word about living healthy and active lifestyles outdoors. If you want to find out more about paddleboarding, climbing, running, camping, and even more outside and active pursuits, you can get your free tickets to the National Outdoor Expo held on the 19th to the 20th of March at the NEC in Birmingham. Use the code OUTSIDE at the checkout on nationaloutdoorexpo.com. Until next time, enjoy the outside.